Praise the Lord. Yeah, give them a hand. Thank you, Lord. Great job, guys. Had to get here early this morning and do the practice and all of that, so we're so grateful for them to uh, come and be a part of that. And I thank you all for your social distancing, you know, and your elbow bumps and we have plenty of hand sanitizer and soap. And the only thing I've asked of the worship team during this time is to please don't sing Breathe on Me for the next few weeks. Okay, so. Um, but no, we're glad to have you with us. I, I, I uh, went up to my, I got up early this morning. I, I was awakened early and, and went in my office to pray. And, and um, after I prayed for a little bit, I turned on my computer and, and uh, just wanted to see if the Facebook post I put on there was uh, working right. And I saw on the uh, the screen on the feed that Paul Critchlow was uh, sharing a live stream from Laura and Max Church in um, uh, Cornwall, England. And so I turned that on for a minute. And don't you know, the guy's preaching my sermon. He's gonna, he was preaching the same story that I'm going to share with you in a, in a few minutes. And I thought, wow, well, you know, that's awesome. And uh, uh, it was really great. And, and uh, so I, I just uh, I told them that we missed them. And, and uh, anyway, so Laura Maxing and uh, Paul Critchlow send their uh, love and appreciation to the church. And so if you guys are watching now, I watched yours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, we welcome you. We're so, and, and if you're watching online, would you just, you know, put a little... Uh, Notation there, say amen like Pastor Dave said last week, or do something, let, you, let us know you're there, and, and uh, so forth. So um, as we come to the Word of God, I, I turned on, uh, I encourage you to go to uh, Sid Roth's uh, It's Supernatural channel, and uh, he's got a live show that he had last week on, and I watched that last night, and it was extremely interesting because it was dealing with some of the, uh, something that, you know, hit me personally, and... Um, I want you to put, I want to put this verse up first. Would you put up the Haggai verse in the book of Haggai? You know, when I first came to this church 19 years ago, the Lord gave me a word, and you're all familiar with the word. The word was that it's going to be, you know, the the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. But the thing that you know, and that's verse nine. But it starts up a couple of verses before, and we don't ever like that. You know, but what it boils down to is it says at the beginning of Haggai in verse two, chapter 2, verse 6, that this is what God says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and all the dry land. I will shake all nations. Anybody think this is happening? I mean, we're not just talking a little bit. We're talking all nations. And what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And then he says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And in this place, I will grant peace, says God Almighty. Okay? But what I heard was what the Lord said, that this plague is 1,000% demonic. 1,000%. And the world is being shaken to the core. And what the Lord says is what the, what the enemy meant for evil, he is going to turn to good. Okay? Are you with me? He says, you know, the world has put their faith in false idols. Sports, all are canceled. They even canceled the Masters golf tournament. Basketball is canceled. Soccer's football. 
Soccer's canceled. Rugby's canceled. Hockey's canceled. Everything is canceled. And then it said, though, did you notice, can you script back to verse 8? It says, your economy is canceled. Because God says, if you put your trust in the stock market, you're putting it in the wrong place, baby. He says, because the economy is mine, says the Lord. Do you understand? The economy is mine. You put your trust in my, in my kingdom, and I'll take care of that. The, the silver and gold will rust, rust and decay and be done away with, but he says, my, my people will not be shaken because their economy is established in the kingdom of God. I control the world, not the stock market. People are, you know, can I tell you, people are looking for hope right now. People are looking for truth, and they're looking for life. And then what the Lord says is, get ready, church, because the next verse is about to happen. And what it is is, he says, get ready for the harvest, because people are going to be shaken to their very foundation. Everything is going to be in a turmoil and an upheaval. He says, but I am going to get the glory out of this, and people are going to become flooding. That vision that people have had about the people standing in line to get in, they're standing in line to get into Costco right now, and into Sam's, and into other places. But you know what? There's coming a time very quickly that when the Lord says, there's going to be standing in line to get in the church to find truth. To find hope, okay? But you can't get the glory, you can't get the harvest without the shaking first. There is a great tidal wave of souls coming to the kingdom, and they're going to be looking for love and, and grace and peace and all the rest of that. And, and um, one of the other things that they, one of the things that they said last night on this video that I was watching from uh, Sid Roth is that because the United States and Israel are still connected, what does the word of God say? I will bless them that bless her. I will curse them that curse her. Because we have blessed the nation of Israel, he said, watch what happens. If you remember last week or two weeks ago when I did communion, I've, I've not really ever dealt with this first you know, when I do communion. And I said, I was reminded of when the Israelites came out of Egypt. I mean, the reason we do communion with Jesus was celebrating a Seder meal and, and the Last Supper. And that Seder meal represented, a, they're going to tell the people every year what, they, what God did for them as they came out of Egypt. But he said, you know, they put the blood of the lamb over the doorposts. And when the destroyer, when the plague came, it passed over. Israel is a time clock. What's coming up in four weeks? Passover. Passover. And I'm telling you, and I, I bear witness with this, I, I heard this word yesterday and I believe it, I, I'm, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak it, not my prophecy, but I believe it, it bears witness with me that by Passover you're going to see a change in this world and people are going to know it's God. And it's coming out of Israel. Just saying. Last week, Pastor Dave was speaking about the fact that we're in a new system. Do me a favor, put that, put that slide up for me now. And we who have accepted Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, I've got some foundation to lie. I, I don't know who's watching online, and we've got a lot of mature people in this church who can handle meat. I'm going to give you some meat today. 
But I also is going to put some foundation in it so those of you who may not be quite as grounded in the word will grasp what I'm saying because it's going to be very important to your life. This could be the difference between life and death. So we who have accepted Jesus Christ are citizens of a new system. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Okay. Well, in this kingdom that we are in, the laws are different. In this kingdom, reality is different. What you see with your eye is not reality. There's a new governing factor, as my old friend and, and mentor, Arthur Burt, used to say. There's a governing factor. And the governing factor in my life and in your life is that we have entered into the kingdom of God. And this is the verse I want you to catch hold of this morning. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. I want you to repeat it with me. Say it with me. For the law... Wait a minute. We've got to start this over. Okay. Read it off the screen, everybody together. We'll read it together. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, you may not understand all that, and I trust you will before I'm done, but you know what? The law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the kingdom of God has set me free from the law of this world. The law of the Spirit is now in control of me, and all I am because the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ is living big in me, and he has control over my life. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it tells us what Jesus has done for this world. And there's a message we need to share with the shaking, tremulous world, and it's this. Since the children, that is you and I, human beings, have flesh and blood, God came in the flesh and shared our humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. So stay, no, go back, leave it there, okay? Jesus had to come in the flesh and why did he come in the flesh? Well, 1 John 3 is going to tell us in a minute that he came to destroy the works of the devil. But he had to share in our humanity. It had to be life for life, blood for blood, so that by his death, he would break the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. And next, verse 15 says, and do what? And free all those who for all their lives have been held in bondage and slavery through what? Through fear of death. I've done four or five, I can't even think, funerals in the past month. I'm about to do another one tomorrow. And I've mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to tell you again. I can't ever forget the lady that came up to me at the end of the service we did for her brother. She's not a member of this church. She said, you sound like you really believe that. It would have been funny if it hadn't been so sad. Of course I believe it. 
Because you see, I know that I've been translated from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of God's son. I know that death doesn't have any hold on me. I know that if I'm going to go on living in this body, it's going to be fruitful labor for him. I know that heaven is real. And there's no fear of death. Now, I don't want to die before my time. And I don't want to do things stupid and put my life in jeopardy. But at the same token, there are people walking around thinking that this thing is going to kill everybody that's going on in this world. And it is not. And it certainly should, not have no, should have no fear for those of us in Christ. In the book of 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells us something that we who are in Christ are new creatures. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. The moment we surrender our lives to Jesus, something supernatural takes place in each one of us. When we're born as human beings, we have a body, we have a soul, our mind and emotions, and we have a human spirit. That human spirit is eternal and so is the soul. It's going to live forever somewhere. Somewhere. The problem is, is that ever since Adam sinned back in the garden and was banned from the presence of the Lord, he came under a different law. In the garden with the Lord God, the spirit of life reigned. The spirit of God was reigning. He was in the kingdom of God. And in that kingdom, there's no death. There's no sin. There's no depression. There's no discouragement. There's no fear. There's no fear of death. There was only life and joy, and peace, and happiness, and abundant living in the kingdom of God. The law that governed their lives, Adam and Eve's, was the law of the kingdom of God. We could call it the law of the Spirit of God, governed their lives. When they had to leave the Garden of Eden, suddenly they left the kingdom of God, and now became subject to the law that governed everything outside the garden. And that law was a law of sin and death. And the enemy, who was in control of this world, called Satan, in his kingdom there was another law at work. It was a law of discouragement. It was a law of depression. It was a law of fear. It was a law of death. It was a law of sin. It was a law of decay. And as soon as they stepped out from underneath the kingdom of God and into the kingdom of the enemy, their lives began to decay. Sin brought death. And it brought destruction. And it brought disease. And it brought war. And it brought anger. And it brought loss of hope and depression and discouragement and fear. They lived with total faith in God in the garden. They had a relationship with him. They walked with him. They talked with him. They, they, they spent their time with him. It, it was, what a, what a thing to be in the presence of God. Can you imagine like that? God spoke to them one to one. But now they had left the garden and they were afraid. The animals that had walked by that Adam had named everyone were now trying to kill him. Disease tried to kill him. Even his own son, Cain, killed his other son, Abel. Grief hit the family for before there was none in the kingdom of God. You see, but God had a remedy. He loves his creation. He loves you so much. He loves you so much 
that plan A was put into effect and there would be no plan B. Jesus was going to come and be born of the flesh and blood and sacrifice himself so that man could once again have a relationship with God the Father and could have a way back into the kingdom of God, back to a life governed by the law of the spirit of life. You see, and we see evidence of that in, in 1 John 3, 8. You can put that verse up. It says that he that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And for this purpose, for this reason, was the Son of God come into this world, was he made manifest, that he came what? To destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil are death, disease, sin, poverty, <laughs> discouragement, and, and you, know, you name it. That's the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy them. And can I tell you, the law governing this world is still in effect. It's the law of sin and death. But when Jesus came and was finally nailed to that cruel cross, the last words he uttered shook the foundations of hell itself. He said, it is finished. Plan A is done. And the demons trembled. Plan A is done. Man has a way to the kingdom of God again. The law of sin and death that governed man was destroyed for everyone who would accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Now, I know this is basic stuff, but sometimes maybe we need to re remind ourselves what God has done. I, I said, we're born with a body. We're born with a soul and an eternal spirit. The body will die. But the soul and spirit of man will live forever. Actually, some of us may not die. When we go up in the rapture, just get a new body. Just change in the twinkling of an eye at the sound of the trumpet. And we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. But some of us may not be there when that rapture comes. We're going to die this body. But you know what? We're not going to die. That's when, when we die, when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our heart, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, comes into us and it regenerates that eternal spirit, that human spirit that's living inside each man. We call that being born again. And now the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. Not only are we body, soul, and spirit, we're body, soul, and spirit, spirit. The Holy Spirit is in this, that this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it regenerates our human spirit. It gives us hope and it gives us joy. And it gives us, in the midst of the biggest storm that ever came, we still have faith. We still have hope. We still have joy. We have peace. Because why? Because now we are no longer under the law of the penalty of sin and death. We're under the law of the life in Christ Jesus that has set us free from that other law. Death is defeated. And in God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, life reigns. Not death. There's no disease. There's abundant life and blessings of God. And I know we're still, unfortunately, living in this fallen world where death is all around us and the fear of death is all around us. But we don't fear it because we know Jesus. We're born again. Death doesn't have a hold on us. We know, as I preach in every funeral, that to be absent from this body is to be immediately in the presence of the Lord. What a promise. We know more than that, though. As we heard earlier, we have authority over every work of the enemy, and that includes death and disease. 
We know we are God's children. We know we are heirs to every promise and joint heirs with Jesus Christ to every promise God has made to us all. So Pastor Dave said last week, we are in a new system, out of the old, into the new. In 1986, the year I went into the ministry, started, well, been in the ministry off and on prior to that, but started a church in Ohio in 1986. We went to a meeting, Connie and I did, and we met for the first time the man who would become a mentor to us and a friend. His name is Arthur Burt. And we met him in a small church in Ohio, and I heard him for the first time speak for an hour with no notes, and he preached. Put the slide back up, if you would. He preached on this verse. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death for an hour. And I have never forgotten what he said. Never. I can't say that about my own sermons. I don't know what I preach from one week to the next sometimes. But I do remember this since 1986. He explained it this way. When he drives a car, and Dave talked about this last week, when you drive a car in England, you drive on the left-hand side of the road, okay? Because that's the law in that kingdom, in the kingdom of the United Kingdom, you drive on the left-hand side of the road. That's the law. But when he comes to the United States, if he drove on the left-hand side of the road, he would be breaking that law. Not only that, he'd be likely killed, because he's going the wrong way down the highway. We drive on the right-hand side of the road, don't we? We drive on the proper way, all of you watching. Okay, so no, I'm just kidding. Okay. So what was the difference? The difference was he was in another kingdom. He was in the kingdom of America, and it had different laws than the kingdom that he had left. Are you with me? What was the difference? He was still in a car, but the law was different. The governing factor was the law that he was in whatever kingdom he was in at that time. In America, the law says that governs the fact, the governing factor is the law says you drive on the right. If you fly across the pond and you arrive in England, you, the governing factor is the law says you drive on the left. In England, if you go to London, they have so many tourists that get hit by cars every year that as you approach the walkway, there are big white letters on the ground in the street that say, look right. They should say stupid, but they say, look right. Why? Because here in America, what do you do when you come to us, you got to cross the street? You look left because the cars are coming from the left. If you don't look right, if you look left and think it's clear and take a first step, you're going to get hit by a lorry. That's a truck. Because they're coming from the right. So it tells all of us crazy foreigners in London, look right, dummy. I remember the first time I drove a car in South Africa. Isaac Steger was there with us. And we, we were driving on the left-hand side of the road. The first time I've ever done that. It was a little uncertain. And I remember pulling out into traffic and looking left. It was all clear, but I almost got hit by the bus that was coming from the other way. Why? The governing factor. The governing factor. A new law came into effect. See? A new kingdom has a new law. When we leave the law of the kingdom of Satan, 
We're no longer governed by those laws. We're governed by the laws of the kingdom of God. The, king, the kingdom says the law of the spirit sets you free from the law over here of Satan. You are set free. You're, you're in a new kingdom. There's a new governing factor. Arthur also explained it this way. The lesser is always subject to the greater. Think of it this way. When we walk around, when we drive a car, there's a law at work. It's called the law of gravity. It keeps us from floating off into space, right? So the law of gravity is at work. But when I drive in my car to the airport and I get out and I walk along and I go into the airport and I go into the terminal and I get, get, come to the uh, gate and I get off down the gate, down the ramp, and I get onto an airplane, I'm in this big aluminum tunnel and I sit in my seat and I buckle up and the plane taxis down the runway and winds it up on the runway and he starts and it starts to roll. The engine's revving up and, you know, you're sitting there and they got the brakes locked and you hear the, the, the plane is shaking, you know, and, and you start to go down the runway. And pretty soon as we're going down the runway, this giant behemoth, I mean, when we went to England last time, we were on one of those double-decker A380 seats, 500 people, 22 crew members, and all our luggage and cargo and everything else. You know, this thing must weigh, I can't even begin to tell you how many tons and tons and tons it weighs. But we're rolling down the runway, and suddenly the thing lifts off. And now you're up in the air, and you're cruising up into the atmosphere. What happened? A new law took over. It's called the law of aerodynamics. When the plane reaches a certain speed, the air going over the wings changes. It, it, cre it creates lift. And so the law of lift, the law of aerodynamics, enables that plane to take off and for this big behemoth airplane to take off and, and go across the ocean. But as we approach New York, it becomes, it slows down. And as it slows down, the other law takes into effect the law of gravity and we come down and we slow down and we touch down and we drive and now the law of gravity. What happened? A greater law superseded a lesser law. The law of the kingdom, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is greater than the law of the devil. You're in a new kingdom. There's a new governing factor. The greater law is in effect. You are not subject to the laws of sin and death anymore because you're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Think of it this way. When Jesus <laughs> decided to go visit his disciples in a boat one night, he walked on water. The law of gravity says that water's not dense enough for him to walk on and that he would sink all the way down and drown. But he walked on water. Why? Because another law came into effect, a supernatural law. The law of the Spirit empowered him to walk upon the waves of this world. And that same law is in effect in you and me right now. And we're not under the law of sin and death anymore. The greater law has come. How is it adopted? I mean, think of it. Jesus Christ was flesh and blood. How is it possible for flesh and blood to walk on water? Because he was operating in another kingdom. He was walking by faith. He walked out and said, I got to get to those guys. And I don't have a boat. Let's walk. You see, I want to tell you that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, 
You not only became a new creature, you entered a new kingdom where there's a new law at work, where there's a governing factor that's different than the one you left, where something's greater has come in and superseded that which was lesser. When we pray Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, what we call the Lord's Prayer, he tells us this. He says, he wants us to pray, if you put that up for me, Matthew 6, 10, that he says, pray this way, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, friends, I want to tell you something. The kingdom of God has come because it says in Luke 17, 21, that the kingdom of God is within you. So is the kingdom here? It is. We just need to appropriate it. We need to walk in it. We need to understand who we are. There's a new law at work in us because we're in a new kingdom. This law is greater than any disease. This law is greater than any enemy, any trial. This law brings us abundant life because we're in a new system. We're in God's, the governing system is God's system. It's not the world's system anymore. And that includes our finances, our health, our everything. Everything we are is now being governed by a new law the law of the spirit of life. And I want to show you one more story. I was talking about John G. Lake a minute ago. This, this story, this is the one the, the pastor there, Pastor Matt, was sharing this morning in Cornwall. I'm sure it's been shared in 100,000 churches around today, probably, or last week. But it's such a powerful story. I've known about it for years, but today it really makes, it makes total sense. Um. This John G. Lake, I said, was uh, one of the great founders of the healing ministries, particularly in Pentecost back in the early 1900s. He was filled with the Holy Spirit at Azusa Street in, in California, and they felt called as a missionary to go to South Africa. I mean, how he got there was just so supernatural. Uh, he, uh, he and his family had enough money to get to New York and buy a steamship ticket, one-way ticket. That's how missionaries used to be. They bought one-way tickets, and they walked by faith. One-way ticket to South Africa, he heard God call him to South Africa. They got on the boat, both families, made it to uh, Cape Town, and were supposed to get off the boat, but they didn't know. No one had told them that they had to have $200 to get off the boat because you have to show that you can take care of yourself once you're in a new country. And they didn't have any money left. They'd spent it all. And his wife said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to get in line. He got in line, and while he was standing in line, a man walked up to him with an envelope, and it had four $50 bills at $200, just enough for him and his family and the other guy with him to get off the boat. And when they got off the boat, they knew they were to go to Johannesburg, and so they bought with that money they used, they used for to buy a train ticket to Johannesburg. And they came to Johannesburg on the train, and they didn't know where they were going to go or what they were going to do. And when they, when they got off the train... A little old lady comes up, running up to them and says, Sirs, are you from America? Are you the new missionaries? He says, yes. She said, well, God told me to come and meet you at this train and tell you, here's the keys to my house. See, you're in another kingdom. It's his economy. We're fighting for toilet paper. I have a couple of rolls extra if you need something. <laughs> Actually, he has access to toilet paper, don't you? Okay. So this is his story about a time in the bubonic plague. 
This is his, his words. I was ministering one time when the, where the bubonic plague was raging. You could not hire people for $1,000 to bury the dead. At such times, the government has to take hold of the situation. But I never took the disease. Now watch the action of the law of life. Faith belongs to the law of life. Faith is the very opposite of fear. Faith has the opposite effect on your spirit and your soul, your mind and your body. Faith causes the spirit of man to become confident in the fact that God is with him. Faith causes the mind of man to become at peace and positive. And a faith-filled mind repels disease. Did Did you hear me? Consequently, the emanation of the spirit destroys disease germs. And because we were in contact with the spirit of life, I and a little Dutch fellow with me went out and we buried many of the people who had died from the plague. We went into the homes, carried them out, dug the graves and put them in it. Sometimes we would have to put three or four in one grave. We never caught the disease. Why? Because the knowledge that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus protects us. That law was working because of the fact that a man by the action of his will puts himself purposely in contact with the spirit of God. Faith takes possession of his heart and the condition of his nature is changed. Instead of being fearful and drawing everything to him, Self, his spirit repels sickness and disease. The spirit of Christ that's in us flows through his whole being, emanates through the hands, the heart, and from every pore of your body. You observe that the word tells us to lay hands upon the sick for healing. Why do we do that? Simply put, it's the spirit, the spirit of life that's in us in Christ Jesus that flows out of us to the sick person. It, Jesus said, I feel virtue leaving me. It's the same for us, the same spirit. The resurrection spirit of Christ lives inside you and me. And it dwells, as it dwells in us, it flows out of us through our hands. During that, during that great plague that I mentioned, they sent government ship with supplies and a corps of doctors. And one of the doctors sent for me and said, what have you been using to protect yourself from this plague? Our medical corps used this preventative and that, you know, masks and gloves and so forth, which we use as protection. But we concluded that if a man could stay on the ground as you have and keep ministering to the sick and burying the dead, you must have a secret. What is it? And I said, brother... It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has set me free from the law of sin and death. He says, don't you think? He said, not only that. He said, but as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God that's in me so that his spirit is flowing through my body and soul, no germ will ever attach itself to me. For the Spirit of God will kill it. And he said, well, don't you think you'd better use our protectives, our preventatives? And I said, no, but doctor, I think that if you'd like to experiment, if you'd like to try an experiment with me, if you will go over to one of these dead people and take the foam that is coming out of their mouth from their lungs, and then after death, then put it under a microscope, you will see masses of living germs. And you will find they are alive until after a reasonable time, 
a man is dead. So these things live for a certain length of time, just like this coronavirus lives on hard surfaces, say, for up to three days and on, you know, in the air for a couple hours or whatever. He said, but I want you to take those germs and put them on my hands, and instantly those germs will die. They tried it, and they found it was true. The germs died. They said, what is that? I said, that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has set me free from the law of sin and death. When a man's spirit and a man's body are so filled with the blessed presence of God, it oozes out of you and it kills everything that's trying to destroy you because you're under a different governing factor. Now, he said, suppose, on the other hand, my soul had been under the law of death, and I were in fear and darkness, like this world all around us. The very opposite would have been the result. The result would have been my body would absorb those germs, and I would have generated disease, and I would have died. Now, I want you to understand something this morning. This is not to condemn anyone who might be or who becomes sick. Because the first verse in Romans 8, 1 says, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. You're not condemned. And no, no one here is trying to put anything on you at all. I think we need to use wisdom. When I leave here, I plan to wash my hands. I'm not going to go out of my way to attract germs. But I'm going to do that funeral tomorrow. I don't know those people. You know what? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is in me. I refuse to bow my knee to the devil. We're going to stay out of harm's way as much as necessary, and the government tells us we can't have meetings like this anymore. We'll obey. But God is with us. He's in us. and He will help us. The world is shaking, and they need to see the church that's standing on the rock. That's not to say we're stupid. I have pastors all over the country texting me, email me on forums saying we're, we're the most irresponsible people in the whole world to have a meeting like this today with you all here. I don't know what's right. We may not have church tomorrow, next week, we may. But I do know this. There is there, there, <laughs> God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, that means I'm going to use wisdom, and I'm going to obey the laws. But in these times of shaking, when the whole world is shaking, the only way that people are going to come to us is because they see that we're not shaken. If you walk around in fear, now, I'm aware of what's going on. I read the news. I probably read way too much of it. Probably need to turn Fox off and all the rest, but but it's, it's good to know what's going on. But you know what? Not if it feeds fear into your spirit. That doesn't mean we're ignorant or we're in denial. It means that I'm operating in another kingdom. Now, the world may not understand you. Your, your, your fellow Christians will not understand you when you say that to them. You have to show them compassion, love, and tolerance. They don't understand it. They may not even believe it. That's okay. You know whose you are, and you know what you are. You're a new creature. You're operating in a different kingdom. See? Within us, there's a greater law than this world, which is a lesser law.
Public safety is not against the law of God, but fear is. But I want to tell you something today as I come to a close. In this kingdom, all things are possible. Either we believe that or we don't. In this kingdom, God rewards faith. It's what it says in his word. You can argue with God if you want to, but his word says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, he says. And that they that come to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them but diligently seek him. I have seen far too many things of the supernatural realm of the kingdom of God in my life to ever discount the fact that God's going to take care of you and I right now. I, I believe he will. I don't want us to be stupid, but I want us to have faith that God will supply, will meet our needs, and God will take care. I plead the blood of Jesus over my entire family every day. I encourage you to do that too. God hasn't called me. I'm Arthur Burt, like I said, who was our mentor, said one day he, he heard what Jesus did, so he went to the edge of the lake. And he walked to the edge of the lake, and he, was, he had faith. He knew he could walk on water. He stepped into the water, and you know what happened? He sank. And he said, Lord, I had faith. God told him, he said, I didn't call you. I called Peter. If God calls you to walk on water, you can. When God calls you, whom he calls, he equips. He empowers. So by faith, I can walk on the water when God tells me. Otherwise, I'm not trying. Because in this kingdom, we have a sound mind. In this kingdom, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has already set us free. It's already done. Do you understand that? The finished work of Jesus. When he said it's finished, it's finished. To be led by the spirit empowers us to be the sons of God. It enables us to have joy in the midst of, the, in the midst of trials. It enables us to have peace when everything around us is, un, is not peaceful. When people are afraid to even walk out of the door of their house, to be led by the Spirit just tells me I get to have the mind of Christ. It empowers me to walk in the power of the Spirit, the supernatural power of God, and to love people and, and care for them and, and be there for them. It gives me an, an ability to be able to minister to the hurting and have compassion for them as sheep without a shepherd, as lost and hurting, and be filled with compassion. I want, to, I want to put I've got just a couple more verses, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Paul told his, his Paul was the mentor to Timothy, and he said, Timothy, I, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. Look, if you have fear, then stir up faith. Stir up the presence of God. The Holy Spirit's still there. You have the spirit of not fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. He says, I want you to stir it up. Sometimes, you know, we get overwhelmed by the things we see. We have a gift from God. It's the Holy Spirit of God in us. Church, understand something. Who's in you? Jesus. The name above every name is in you. In the, in the Jewish tradition, they won't say the name Yahweh. It's too holy. So what they say instead is Hashem. Hashem means the name, the name, but we've got the name, the name that's above every other name, the name that's above fear, disease, death, discouragement, you name it. 
These are not platitudes. This is the word of the Lord to you. <laughs> no weapon formed against you can succeed. For that is the inheritance of the saints of God. You will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The lesser law of this world, the law of sin and death, is subject to the greater law, the law of life in Christ Jesus that has set you free from that other law. And we need to understand one more thing as we did earlier this morning. You have one of the greatest tools God has ever given to any man that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you can pray in that spirit and pray with the understanding. You can be led by the Spirit and God will answer you. And if you begin to pray in the Spirit more, you will see fear fly. You flee, you will see God move, you will have understanding and revelation. That, that thing Dave prayed for us, for that Paul prayed for us in Ephesians 1, that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that comes through the Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life of Christ in you, enables you to have that revelation. Use the tools. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Pastor Dave has already prayed if you have any needs, but I, I want to close with one prayer. It's, it's a word. I want to just close with the first 11 verses of Psalm 91. Close your eyes and receive this as the word of the Lord for you. If you're born again, this is your inheritance. This is a promise from God. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God, in you will I trust. Surely he will save us from the fowler's snare and the deadly plague, pestilence. He will cover us with his feathers and under his wings we will find refuge. His faithfulness will be our shield and our buckler, our rampart. We will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 may at your right hand, but it shall not come near you, says the Lord. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you will say, the Lord is my refuge. If you will make the Most High your dwelling place, no harm will overtake you, no disaster come near your tent. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Lift up your hands. Father, I bless your church. I bless those that are watching online, those that are in this room. No weapon formed against them will succeed. Let faith arise in their hearts, not condemnation. And Lord, we're going to do what we've, we've been told to do. We're going to observe the law. And we're going to do observe public safety and public sanitary uses. But Father, we are not afraid. And Father, I, 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 play, I pray the blood of Jesus over your people. Protect them and keep them. And Lord, I believe the end is coming soon. Not 18 months from now. But Lord, I believe at Passover, we're going to see a move of God like we've never seen. Father, I thank you for the church to be here, ready to receive those people in faith and teach them the things of God. 
Lord, make disciples. He told us to go, not just go, but go and make disciples. Let people learn what it means to put faith in God and not be afraid. Why are we, why are we fearful? <laughs> because we don't know God. Why are, we why are we filled with faith? Because we know God. And thank you, Father. Lord, if there's one listening to me today, the sound of my voice either now or later and your faith is not there maybe you had it once maybe you're afraid maybe you don't know Christ Jesus died for you too plan A was for you he loves you he came for you he died for you so that you could be set free from the law of sin and death from the fear of death that held you in slavery all your life all you have to do is say Jesus I confess you as my Savior and Lord. Save me. Come into me. Fill me with your love and grace and power and faith. And I want to serve you. I surrender my life to you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. And all the redeemed here said, amen. Sing that song with our worship team this morning as we go. God bless you. We'll be praying for you. If you need anything, go on our contact page on our website or our app or Facebook and we'll respond. Let us know how you're doing. We love you in Jesus' name. God bless you.